The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. We are closing in on the All-Star break. Um, Voting has been underway for a couple of weeks. We'll talk about that next week. I find the All-Star voting, particularly given the players selected, less and less interesting every year. Um, I almost wish that you could throw all of the names into a hat and draw that way. I almost wish that there was some way you could convince people to vote on it based on actual performance and not um, popularity. I also wish that the All-Star game could be played with some semblance of of legitimacy because... Legitimacy? In an all-star game, that's completely oh, unheard of. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what I was thinking. Clearly, I've had time to think or something. I don't know. But Pretty I'm cool. sorry. Three on three, and it's always based on offense. And I understand. And they've made their attempts to include the goaltenders. You know, they 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 had goalies shooting for goals and goal, and they have formats in the in the skills competition. I, I prefer the skills competition to the actual quasi game uh, and have. Well, the goaltenders actually play a, the goaltenders actually play a part in the skills competitions because the all-star game, you may as well not have them out there. <laughs> you could le- Yeah. You, I think you'd end up with about the same scores without goalies. If you put just one of those shooting uh, buddies, uh, shooting tutors in that. Yeah, I can see and that. And I do mean that because the goalies all receive instruction, if not if not from their teams, then certainly from their teammates. Go out there, don't get hurt. Like, that's legitimately and, it. But, okay, but if you're going to use the don't get hurt rule or, or guideline, then why have them out there at all? In that case, why do the All-Star game during the season? Wait, because at the end of the season, they're all exhausted and – They've been through, you know, most of the players that are going to be playing in that exhibition have already played through some semblance of a playoffs, whether it's been four games, 20 games, whatever. And you're not going to get any kind of 100 percent effort out of them, but you don't get that anyway. No. And we I mean, you get opt outs now and players who say, yeah, please don't vote for me. And even though even though they get suspended for one game for not going to the all-star game. Yes. The NHL's way of trying to force them to perform like the trained monkeys that they are or whatever. You know, it, they, you can't, pl- if you say you're not playing, you will be suspended one game. And most of them are, are okay. With the, it. the Ovechkins of the, you know, he's like, yeah, I'm not playing. You I know? mean, Ovechkin's done it seven or eight times. I, okay. New rule. If you've already been voted to five or more all-star games, you cannot be punished for not going. I I can go I can agree with that. I mean, you look at other sports that have their all-star games mid-season. It, and even they I don't mean, it, it's I mean, I understand it's an I understand that okay, basketball theirs is an offensive 
that's that's a purely offensive sport. Fun fest as well. It, you know, everybody wants to see dunks and all that stuff. So that's what they do. They allow and and God forbid they call a foul. You know, it's like God forbid they call a penalty in an All Star game in hockey. You know, baseball has their All Star Classic in the middle of the season, and they supposedly made it mean something because the winner gets home field advantage in in the playoffs. Yes, that's and, about uh, you know, but that's about the best. Out of all the system, because there's nothing, nobody gains anything at the all-star break in basketball. Nobody gains anything at the all-star break in hockey. At least baseball tried something, whether it's a good, bad, or different idea. At least they've tried something. Uh, and then there's the worthwhile. NFL Pro Bowl, where opt-outs and, and, are more, often, more, more common than attendance. Well, yes, that's because the Pro Bowl is played, oh, wait, the week before the Super Bowl. And how many of the players going to the Pro Bowl are in the playoffs or in the Super Bowl? Um, probably a handful. You know, Brady opts out every year. 20% or close to it. And guess what? The guys who aren't are either three weeks or more since the last time they played. Yeah. Which, in, which is a long time in any sport. Or... They've played 18 or 19 games already this season, and their body is done. Yeah. So even if they showed up, they wouldn't be in midseason form. So instead, hey, let's do it during the season, and then, you know, if a guy gets hurt, you know, pulls a hammy or something. Like football, I completely understand not doing it during the season. Yes. I almost would rather see the NFL All-Star game uh, as a – or Pro Bowl game. What if you do it as, as a, a game pre-season? in the pre between the preseason and regular season? Yeah, like you have your three four weeks of maybe you have three weeks of solid, real use or semi useful um, exhibition games. Okay. Teams make their cuts. They have their final practices. You know, because the guys going to the Pro Bowl, you know, they're making their roster. They know they're making their roster. And maybe, 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 even for for guys who go to the Pro Bowl as insurance for them to get the most out of them, even if their contract is not generally guaranteed, it becomes guaranteed for at least 10 games. So that if they get injured at the All-Star game, they have time to recover instead of just being cut since most NFL contracts are not literally not worth the paper they're printed on. <laughs> but we are way far afield already. Yeah, no um, kidding. Speaking and we're, we haven't, we legitimately haven't even discussed an NHL topic. So let's dive in. Um, okay. Where do you want to start? Well, since we, since we were talking about contracts, um, just get this quickly off the table. Uh, and that way we can clear it and move on. This Evander, yeah, Evander Kane. I'm not sure how I feel about it because. <sighs> okay. I looked around after I saw this story. Mm-hmm. He's supposedly, he is alleged to have gone, to have, to have crossed the border into Canada um, after being diagnosed with COVID or being put in protocols. One, I don't know 
I have not seen anything that tells me that he told was told that he was diagnosed or that the that the test came back positive. Um, and I also haven't seen anything where he had that stated he had contact with the team. Um, well. So I'm a little skeptical, confused, curious, all of those things on this. I, Especially, well, I honestly think that the Sharks are just trying to find a way out because now they're saying he, they, this this recent termination of his contract completely is because he violated the AHL's yes, COVID nineteen yes. protocol. And here's the yes. thing: if they can release him for this reason, terminate his contract, guess what happens? They don't it doesn't count against their cap. They get out um, of paying him $7 million a year. And they still what, owe him, what, two, three? Three years? Two I, think years it, I think I read somewhere that he, they still owe him. They get out of $22.9 million out of his contract. Without so, it uh, affecting their cap hit. So about three years, yeah. Um, And for a team that has something of a cap crunch, because even without him on the roster this year, they have one and a half million in cap space. By the um, way, they have to re-sign guys like, I don't know, Thomas Hurdle and... Uh, they I have three the four, Hurdle, Cogliano, uh, uh, and Bar, or Barbanov are UFAs for forwards. Um, Nick Merkley, mm-hmm. uh, Noah Gregor, Jonathan Dahlin, and Yona Yajevich are all RFAs. Uh, Mario Ferraro, UFA, uh, RFA. Jacob Megna, UFA. Uh, Ryan Merkley will be an RFA after next season. But the um, big name, the big name is Hurdle, and he's going to get. He's going to be getting a raise from his $5.6 million contract, so they're going to need some cash. And this is, of course, with Logan Couture, currently a non-roster player, at $8 million. Um, So they're way over the cap already. Oh, wait. Um, Nick Benino, $2 million, currently a non-roster player. Lane Peterson, or Pedersen, rather, non-roster player. This is with Kevin LeBlanc. Um, a on injured reserve, Rudolph Bach Balsers on injured reserve. Those are both multi million. That's another six or seven million in contract there. So and you toss in Nikolai, uh, and Jake Middleton, and you get another 1.5. Um, and that's before you get to Kane's 5.875 for three years after this one. So is LeBanc's money not counting against the cap along with Couture's? So that's $12 million right there. there. Okay. When you look at the non-roster, <laughs> when you look at the non-roster and the injured reserve. Yeah. You've got 18 $19 million. Million. $19 million. Oh, yeah. $19 19 million dollars. Hmm. Um and how do you fit that back in if, if you know 
and that and again, this is a team that is currently one point five and change under the cap. Um, you think cutting? You think finding a way to get rid of um, getting rid, get of, rid of five six million. six million a year? Do you get all that priority list? Do you get all of that back if you waive him? Do you get the whole six million a year back towards your cap? Terminate his contract. None of it counts. As far as I know, none of it counts against their cap hit. It, it, and I'm it's thinking, actually seven million. Yeah. I'm thinking. Contract. I'm thinking seven million. Seven million I mean, helps. I, I'm helps. thinking seven out of nineteen is a good percentage. <laughs> no, 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 no. That seven million doesn't count. That isn't part of the nineteen we were just discussing. Oh. Because it's Couture, Benino, Pedersen, LeBlanc, um, Balsers, uh, Nozov, and Middleton, who are that 19-ish million um, between so, non-roster and injured reserve. So right now – oh, right now Kane's money is just buried money. Okay. His, it's buried money, yes. It counts as 5.875 against the cap buried, but it's, a, it's $7 million, uh for – through the end of the 24-25 season. Um, yeah, I'm thinking they'd like to find a way to get that off the books. So, do, do okay, Evander Kane has been accused of a lot of stupid stuff. He's done a small portion of that stupid stuff. Is it, can I imagine the team wanting to get rid of him just for the, to get rid of the negative press? Yes. Do they, do does everyone who can does everyone who can literally make change uh, from when they buy a Coke at the store understand that the math of their situation d- means that they either need to move people, remove money or not be able to start next season? So like getting, literally not be able to start next season because you can't get under the there's cap. no way to do it. There's literally no way to do it. They can't get under the cap because even if you don't re-sign Hurdle, Cogliano, uh, Barbanov, that's only seven point six million. Um, the other four, the other four uh, UFAs we mentioned work out to another three and a half million. Um, mm-hmm. Throw in the defenseman uh, Ferraro, that's another, that's another million. That's where are we now? Uh, 12 million, 13. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, and then the, yeah. So you got maybe 14 and a half million that comes off of the, that comes off of the cap. If you completely cut ties with all of them, but guess what? Between the non-roster players and the injured reserve, <laughs> admittedly a million of that, a million and a half of that or so um, is still would be unsigned at the end of the season. But you've still got 17 million that has to get either back on the roster, or you might be able to bury like uh, Balsers or toss him in on a deal. There's stuff going on here. There's shenanigans. Yes. And, and so, in order to get rid of the bad press, you get rid of this guy. The question, the ultimate question is, it, based on what I've read, uh, yep. not just in this article, but it, nobody is going to be willing to take a chance on this guy. I, I don't think anyone's don't, going to be taking a chance on his current contract. 
I don't I don't I agree with that. that. Yes, his I current contract get, is gone. I think that once he's bought out, he will absolutely sign somewhere for like a million and a half. And it could do be we, Carolina. Do we think it's Tampa Bay? I don't know if Tampa Bay is going to sign him, but Dallas needs offense. Mm-hmm. And no matter what you think of him, the idea of putting him on a line with Taylor, uh, with, uh, with Sagan kind of appealing. Um, so there's not a possibility that he not, could come further east. He could he could absolutely land in Montreal. Oh goodness. Okay, um, further south. And you know Nashville. What? <laughs> I don't see Nashville with their current with the general manager they have and the ownership they have signing him, even <laughs> on a show me deal. Um, where they fully intend to trade him. Uh, but the other option for him is he goes to the KHL and he plays where all of the negative press is going to be in a language he probably doesn't read or, or understand. I, I guess my question, I guess my question was answered. Do you think that he will play somewhere else? When play. they terminate his contract, do you think that he will play again somewhere else this season? This season, I don't know. If he's actually genuinely unwilling to be vaccinated, um, and maybe he has a medical reason for it that a possibly sensationalist press has left out. Because the um, supposed one player in the NHL that isn't vaccinated. Supposed, yes. Tyler Bertuzzi, supposedly the only NHL player not vaccinated, is playing. I mean, the Red he Wings have Canada. He can't go. He, he, they literally have to take him off the. He doesn't get paid. He chooses. Yes. This is a choice he's made. He doesn't get paid when they play in Canada. He's off the roster. They can't just. Mm-hmm. They can't just scratch him. They have to literally take him off the roster to open up a spot so they can put somebody else in because you can't legitimately yep. put him on an injured list. Because he's not injured. He's not injured, yeah. So um, he's made this choice, and that's something that can Kane, you know, that's why I was wondering, you know, is Evander Kane, his talent on the know, ice tells me that he's going to be playing somewhere. You can't deny the talent on the ice. If it's If it's a cheap enough deal, maybe Detroit does decide to grab him. That's what I was wondering. Since they've already got one guy, do they just do double down and get another because, one? I mean, <laughs> realistically, if they sign him for this year and next year, mm-hmm. and he can avoid any ridiculous press um, for the rest of this season, the first half of next year, and they can take him at that one and a half or so that he'll sign for, and flip him out for another second round pick. Um, or another young or a young prospect, what have they lost? Nothing. Exactly. Literally nothing. Does and he help a borderline playoff team? And yes, I know he's not coming to Boston. I get that. I already know that in my head. But could he help a fringe playoff team? Like, And unfortunately, you have to say they are fringe at this point in time because they haven't shown us any different. Can he help a fringe playoff team like Boston 
or is yes. Boston beyond the needing a wing and they really need a two C? They Boston so needs a two C. It's not funny. Eric Kala and uh, Charlie Coyle have done everything you could ask or want of them. Mm-hmm. But being even a league min, league average two C is above their is above their skill level. But could be could bringing in a winger such as Kane help them only if he can be an extraordinary winger. Okay. And I, I don't know if he can do that right now as a left wing. Would he be the second best left wing on the team? Because you've got In obviously Boston, no Marchand. Then second line, you've got Taylor Hall. No, Is he, Evander he, Kane going to be okay playing third line left wing? Uh, he, or, I mean, whether you, whatever wherever you put him between wherever you throw wherever you lay the balance between him and Taylor Hall, he's not better than Patrice, than um, he's not better than Brad Marchand. At the oh moment. no, Marchand is probably the best left wing in the in the NHL. Uh, I'm not willing to listen to cases that exclude him from the top five. Top three. <laughs> um, but you know. I mean, if you're looking at teams that could benefit from him, uh, there are one a of the few. Teams, that's what I'm saying, and that's why I don't think that I don't agree with the press as as they're writing it, saying that you know he's done in the NHL or he's not going to get another chance. He's worn out his welcome, whatever. I don't agree with that. I think that his talent level, while not elite, is as, close as, enough. Is close that, enough that he's going to get looks. A team that might actually roll the dice on him if they can find some cap room. Seattle. Uh, Seattle, <laughs> I can't see him going there. No, they're, I can't either. They're just, I mean. There's rumors that they're going to trade Giordano back to the Flames. So <laughs> Giordano back to the Flames might actually push them, push the Flames back into one of the top two spots if it happens soon enough. Because they, I mean, you look at the Flames right now, they have a 6.06 point percentage through 33 games with Mm -hmm. 40 points. Anaheim has a 581 through 37 games and 43 points. So you don't need to be a super genius to figure out that Calgary is probably a better team overall than Anaheim. And it it would be a reasonably safe bet, especially when you look at their goal differential if they were to play a seven game series, bit your money on Calgary, but even Vegas six eighteen, I was going to say 38 did, games. Didn't that's, mean to distract that's in you. range. Yeah, um, so where could Kane go? I didn't mean to oh, distract you, distract team, you with the Kraken bit. A, a team that uh, is in need of the, of upgrade on the left side. Um, is actually one we we're going to talk about in a couple of minutes anyways, and that's the Edmonton Oilers. They're not far out of a playoff spot. They're two points behind Calgary um, and only five points behind Anaheim with a lot of time left. And, and you know, the 559 points percentage versus a 581, mm-hmm. that's, that's coin toss. That's literally a coin toss. If you make that upgrade, especially without having, especially if you can maybe flip out two or three of your young players or two or three of the players who aren't what you need and bring back someone 
else that is an upgrade or at least consolidates roster space and money. Um, I can see Edmonton because Evander Kane there is going to add some attitude and that team is not the firmest team in the league. Um, he's going to add, he's absolutely probably going to be, I can't think of a better left wing on that team. Um, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, it's nope. probably not Tyler Benson. It's probably not Warren Fogle. You can make a case for Zach Hyman. I don't know that it's a great case, but you can make that case. Um, how about Brandon Perlini? Nope. Um, no. Didn't think so. Um, no. no. Yeah. So, yes. Let, arguably, if you put him out there on Connor McDavid's left, mm-hmm. you give Connor McDavid some protection on the rare occasions he's going to get hit. Because, yes, Evander Kane will drop the gloves with anyone. And, no, he's he's absolutely shown he's not afraid of anyone in the league. Um, you know, if you're willing to fight both Ryan Reeves and Zdeno Chara in the same season, can't think of anyone else who's going to intimidate you. Not in the current league. No. <laughs> um, and he's got, he's as I said, he'd be the best, instantly be the last, best left wing on the team. The question becomes, how do they move out enough salary if that's the option they're going to go? (laughs) Are they willing to court controversy? I think yes, because Edmonton does not want to waste any years with Dreisaitl and McDavid if they can avoid it. Um, And when you come right down to it, on that roster, if everything is going well... Mm -hmm he's realistically going to be the fifth or sixth best known player in town. Because you've got McDavid, you've got Nugent Hopkins. Yeah. Um, you've got uh, Tyson Berry on the back end. You've got Duncan Keith, who's won a couple of cups. You've got Darnell Nurse. Um, all of these people who are, who the, who the fans, the media are used to going towards. If Stuart Skinner ends up back in goal uh, more uh, more often than not, again, he's going to become a focus. You've got Zach Hyman, who is, again, he's a pretty well-known player. Um, he's a, I mean, he's a more than respectable player. Um, I, I'm not 100, as I said, I'm not 100% sure that I would consider him a better left wing than Evander Kane. But yeah, I I think that Evander Kane. Okay, if Evander Kane does not actually, instead of apparently, have his head really far up his backside, <laughs> um, and he can find a way around getting vaccinated, which he apparently does not want to do, um, in Canada, it could be made to work. Can he cross if he's in a Canada? Can he cross back into the states? Not vaccinated is the question. Uh, that's a question I do not know the answer to. Um, 
I would have to look into that, and I do not claim to be an expert on the topic. No, neither do I. Um, I don't know quite how that works. I know that, like I said, I know Bertuzzi can't cross into into Canada. Canada. Right. Um, I mean, although I guess if you think about it, Canadian teams are playing American teams, so they must be able to cross. But again, again, they're supposedly vaccinated. They're supposedly uh, 100% minus one player vaccinated. Right. Um, But on the an alternative top on alternative left wing upgrades for uh, Edmonton mm-hmm. or left side updates. Right now, both play uh, two of the players who I, in a theoretical world, I can imagine being involved in a trade are out uh, one on the COVID protocol and one with an injury. Um, okay. Both of them have expiring, or two. The two key players have an expiring con, have expiring contracts. Um, the third throw-in player, um, and not necessarily throw-in, but cap balancer, I, I guess is the only way I can term it. Would be um, Nugent Hopkins or. Uh, DeBrusque and more, and John Moore. Jake DeBrusque, the name Jake pops DeBrusque. up again. Again, he, look, he's asked for a trade. He's a left wing, and that team desperately need, it, it, that team wants to be better on the left side, both defensively and at forward. Okay. If the Bruins retain twelve percent of uh, DeBrusque's contract for the rest of the year. Okay. Um, and trade, and I would presume this would be done on a sign-in trade. Um, Nugent Hopkins, or Moore and DeBrusque, uh, at 12%, it gives the Oilers 61,000 more in cap space. Um, and the Bruins get a legitimate second-line center. While John Moore is playing the best hockey he's played since he got to Boston, not necessarily the world's highest standard, but play along. And okay, Jake DeBrusque, Jake DeBrusque, who I think has been much, I, he's been the whipping boy. He's been uh, much maligned here in Boston. I think he's been a whipping boy, and yes. whether you whether people agree with me or not. I think going going to Edmonton, I think it would be a great, great. Well, isn't Edmonton home for him? I mean, his first of all, his dad works for the Oilers. Yep. Uh, as one of the commentators, color guy or, or whatever he does, uh, I believe he's the color analyst. Right. Um. So dad is up there. I believe Edmonton is home for him as well, if I'm not mistaken. That uh, that's about what I recall. Yeah. So I mean, we're. A change of scenery for him might do him some good, yes. Yeah, and I personally think that he played really, really well while uh, Cassidy was out on COVID protocol. But uh, Gee, is there something to that? Hmm. I mean, add well, Rusk to the list well of players we talked about. 
<laughs> Add Jake DeBrest to the list of players we talked about about two weeks ago who have left Boston and their games have elevated. He hasn't left yet, though. Not yet. But Not yet. play without <laughs> Cassidy, and we saw the result. I saw them. You saw them. Everyone else play. Everyone else watching Boston saw them. Yes. Uh, I think that I do believe that it's going to happen at some point. I don't know. I think that because of the COVID protocol, they're just kind of waiting, wait and see kind of thing. I do believe that at some point they will move him, unfortunately. Uh, but I think it's going to be good for him wherever he goes. I think giving him a fresh start is and I know we say that a lot by we, I mean, just everybody in general, people say that a lot, you know, Oh, he's, he, you know, fresh start will do him good. I think in this case, it's true. I think that here in Boston, he's not going to be getting any more breaks. I don't know. I mean, that, that whole scene, and we talked about a couple of weeks ago, the whole scene where he came, he had to play because of other people being out. Yep. And the fans booing him, and then the next night, literally the next night, he scores a goal, and the fans are cheering for him. You know, the fans aren't going to give him a break. He's going to, he, no matter what he does, fans are going to react. And he just needs to go somewhere, fresh start, new fans, new faces, new teammates. And yeah, hopefully for him, it it, it resurrects a career that. I'm not going to say he was a 40 goal scorer. That article that we commented on back then, uh, I think it was Haggerty <laughs> that said that he was a potential Might have been 40, Hags, goal, yeah. 40 goal scorer. Yeah, I don't buy that he's a potential 40 goal scorer, but 22 to 28, 25 to 30. I, a I'll season? give him 30. I don't see 40. I can see him consistently being in that 28 to 32 range. The thing is, and you were talking about Kane being in Edmonton, and, and now you're talking about trading him to Ed. The one thing I don't think Kane has that would put that would make him fit on Connor's line is I don't think he has the speed to keep up. I like Evander Kane. He's got a lot of tools, but I don't think he's the fastest man. You've seen DeBrusque's speed. I think DeBrusque could certainly keep up with Connor McDavid. I... I honestly can't recall my impre- my recent impression a recent impression of Evander Kane's speed. I don't think he's slow. No, I don't um, think he's slow either. I just don't. I think in a race between Kane and DeBrusque, I think DeBrusque wins though. That's a tough one because I think DeBrusque's speed is lower in agility. I want to say that Kane has better lateral movement. Um, okay. Um, that's, that is a consideration that, um, I'm not saying that the Oilers wouldn't bring Kane in. I just don't know if he'd be a, uh, the best fit if he's not going to be able to, it's like having, purely on it's talent. like having DeBrusque on Krejci's line. Krejci couldn't keep up with DeBrusque. Well, Krejci, Krejci we're going to discuss later and <laughs> why certain things didn't work with him. Okay. Fair enough. Um, and where do we go next? Ah, uh, I don't know. 
we, we I mean we we're in Canada. Um, we could talk about. I want to get one of these two big stories on the on the table. Go. Um, either the either Coyotes or Calgary. Do we stay in Canada or do we dive south? Calgary. All right. So Calgary has had their myriad issues over the course of the last I don't know how long, but at it's, least a couple it's of been years. Almost a decade of the Calgary Saddle Dome uh, is an aging building, and there was well, I mean, it looks literally like a saddle. It's kind of scary, actually. Well, there's also, I mean. Remember the wildfires Calgary had, what was it, three, four years ago? Mm-hmm. Actually, it was like the season after Jerome McGinley left. Yes. They had the – the building was flooded. Yeah. And the saga had been going on like two years at that point. So apparently there were, there were deals in the works that they were going to build a new stadium, new arena – uh, I don't know what all it encompassed, whether it also included uh, retail establishments and, and the like. But apparently the construction deal has now been terminated. Another set yet another setback. Um, the the agreement was ended when neither the city nor SCEC, the Calgary Sports and Entertainment Corporation, uh they both neither team nor corporation waived construction conditions by friday uh this friday that friday being uh when was the story four days ago so that would be oh wait this past friday yes um this the the scs EC notified the city on December 21st of its intent to pull out of the deal. The city and the Flames had agreed on an arena deal more than two years ago. And the initial estimate was $550 million. They were going to split it evenly between the two parties. Now, we've had some issues since then that have affected the cost of materials and, and labor and, and whatnot. So the estimated cost rose to $634 million. The Flames balked at these additional costs for roadway, sidewalk infrastructure, climate mitigation. And, yeah, they decided that since they couldn't come to a nice, happy agreement, that that's it. We're done deal. So the, the new stadium is off the table. We continue playing in the aging, flood-riddled uh unhappiness that is the Calgary Saddle Dome. Yeah. Um, that is literally the second longest home saga in the league. It, is it the second longest? It is. Because the Coyotes have been rumored to be moving out of Arizona since about 10 minutes before they arrived. Um, and that's yeah, and we'll been get 26 into, that's, years. We'll get into that one eventually as well, too. <clears throat> um, for me, I think part of the issue here, uh, and admittedly, the, uh, the, the cost change 
is legi- it's a legitimate issue. Part of it is all of the inflation surrounded by uh, surrounding COVID, um, which is why which is what I meant by the the issues over the last couple of years that have expanded the cost of labor and, and materials because everything seems to have gotten more expensive since <clears throat> the pandemic started. Um, and given how much of the, uh, let's see, given how much of the, of Canada's trade is with the U S mm-hmm. um, do we know when that deal was actually put together? Uh, the, it says they agreed on this deal two years ago and the estimate at the time was 550 million. I don't have an exact date. So if we call that the beginning, like January of 2020, which would be like three months before or two months before in January of 2020, the, the current virus was still overseas. It wasn't really it was speculated to be in the United States, but it wasn't, or in North America, but there weren't any, it wasn't like there were hundreds of cases or thousands of cases. It wasn't until February, mid-February, March, where they suddenly went, oh my God, this is coming here. But so yeah, it was right about the beginning of the, the, the current virus issue. Now, if you look at something I'm going to have to check in with one of my Canadian friends and get back to is how much of an impact the exchange rate has had in that time, because uh, it's fluctuated greatly from, um, I mean, it's, it's trending, it had been trending downwards for several months. Um, but it's sort of back to just about where it was in January of 2020. Um, but if you look at March of last year, the exchange rate was even further. It was even uh, was noticeably different. Uh, we're talking 15, 20 cents on the dollar. I I think that you may not see a deal on this until. Someone has an idea of what the economies in both countries are going to look like when the pandemic mindset ends. The thing here is it could be two or three years. The mayor, the mayor came out and said that in December came out and said there's a gap of nine point seven million dollars between the city and the team. Now, the, the president and executive of the ownership group said that. The new total would be 346 million for them compared to the city's 287.5, which is a significant difference between that and the 9.7 that the mayor is quoting. And he also said that the flames would bear the risk of rising costs in the future. So they're looking at not only having to put in mm, 13, 46, 50, 50, 59, they're looking at paying 60 million more than the city and oh by the way the the additional rising costs in the future are all going to fall on the team now some of that i don't have a problem with i mean these team owners are multi-millionaires billionaires whatever i think that asking 
asking the the city to foot the bill for a stadium that they also end up paying the people end up paying ticket prices and they pay through taxes to pay for the building for the infrastructure and everything else i think at some point you need to give the people who are footing your salaries a little bit of a break and maybe you should take on a little bit more of the cost of the construction but that's i guess another thing for another time if as long just, as governments are involved in paying for the stadiums mm-hmm. there's it, it the choices are higher ticket costs larger arenas with lower quality um and possibly still higher tickets because if you can pack in 40,000 people versus 22,000 people you arguably don't need to charge as much but Empty seats means you probably have employees standing around doing nothing um, and vacant real estate in uh, in parking lots and stuff. But arenas are used for more than just the. The sports teams, they bring in music and. Yes, I understand. They have concerts. They have bring in tourists, home shows and, and trailer shows and and whatever else you can fit in there and into a big arena situation. I get that circuses are dead at this point, but those, those used to bring in a lot of tourists as well. Yeah. But you can bring in Disney on ice or whatever the Canadian version of it is. And I know I I understand that they're utilized for other things besides just the Calgary flames. I mean, but the tourist dollars come in, all year round and the tourist dollars are all taxed on everything from the hotels to the hotel districts and some cities having an additional tax that the city is collecting. Oh, they do. Yes. They have value collecting money. They have, Um, they have a province tax and they have a, 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 you know, a a federal tax and and whatnot. Yes. They have multiple taxes listed on. So when you go to Canada, you're, it's not just Canada, though, but they, if you go to like if you go to the Boston Convention Center, mm-hmm. whether you're a local or you're coming in from Tibet or Tucson, um, you're paying an extra arena. You're paying an extra tourist tax on your hotel, on any food or memorabilia you buy in the hotel. Um, and all of that goes into goes back into the local funding. And over, you know, the 30, say an arena lasts 30 years, that's a lot of tax money. Because, you know, you look at the, you look at uh, the tourist, uh, the convention center in Boston, the hotels around that have science fiction conventions, they have gaming conventions, they have literally everything, flower shows that are always, I mean, there's almost always something going on. But there is no other professional sports team, as far as I know, that's playing in the Calgary Saddledome unless they have a Canadian. So as the only professional sports team that's utilizing the building and probably will get the most get the most revenue out of it as far as having their, you know, when you have their have their I mean, game your games there you're collecting money from the ticket from the, from the gate you're collecting money from the 
you're collecting money from the vendors, you're collecting money from the pro shop, you're collecting money from pretty much everything that's oh, involved. The, so the revenue, there's a lot of revenue. There is. Therefore, Maybe. they need to be contributing to the cost of the building. And I, I look, I, I I'm not about giving the owners freebies. Uh, free arenas just to show up anyways but maybe maybe some of the maybe the city city of calgary needs to or the alberta government uh pays part of it or takes part of it on as a loan uh by the team you know they'll pay the 60 million or the or whatever the difference is now and the team has an additional five ten years whatever after the arena begins uh, begins operations in the sense that events are taking place um, and not simply, you know, final, uh, a final inspection, but actually begins hosting events. That's when the clock starts on the interest and the payments. Um, and if the interest rate is low enough or in terms of bonds or whatever, people want to buy bonds for it. There's all sorts of ways Ooh. to finance it that you would think, Two, at least two governments, three governments, uh, city, province, and federal. So who's um, going to own uh, – for me, it's who's going to own the new stadium? Who owns this – who owns the Saddle Dome? Is it the city of, is it the city of Calgary? Uh, the answer is the bank. <laughs> if there's a mortgage, <laughs> the bank owns it. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. Who is uh, paying and let me for guess, is the mortgage is, again, with, is the mortgage with Scotiabank yeah, since the, you know, again, Now, who is paying for it? Whose name is on the deed? But as far as who whose name is on it? Yes, whose name is going to be on the, the team? Whose name is going to be on the deed for the new building? Is it going to be the city of Calgary? Is it going to be the team? Because if the team, if the team is going to be the owner of record, you know, it kind of like I pay a mortgage, I'm the homeowner, but technically the bank owns my home. You know, um, okay, same deal here. I get that. But as the owner of record on, you know, name on the deed, if it's, if it's the Calgary flames, then they need to be footing more of the bill than, than the city does. I'm sorry, because they're going to be collecting the revenue when somebody else comes in to host their Disney on Ice, or when so, or probably. when Michael Bublé comes in to do a concert, the revenue kickback is going to go to. Oh wait, the owner, which is in this case the Calgary Flames. I, at least partially, yes, but the city is still going to get their money out of. Yes, the they're going to get their piece. I get it, but maybe another option is temporarily and written into the contract for the first X years of operation. Uh, the city owns X percentage of the arena revenue, whether it's 2% or 7% or 19%. And that's their, that's their form of payback. And then once they're, once the, once the money, money is paid back, their ownership terminates and reverts to the team. But again, my point is okay. you've got three layers of government in Canada. You've got the team. There are, there should be people who are well-versed, better versed in finance than either of us who can figure out a way to make it work. Because 
let's face it, if Calgary actually has to, re- if the Flames have to relocate out of Calgary, it's going to be a bleep show for bleeping years uh, of bleeping epic proportions. And it's not going to do the city any good. It's not going to do the NHL any good. Um, it's not even going to do the province any good because Calgary and Edmonton are not very close. And the rivalry between those two teams is uh, been warm for decades. So I, I just uh, because I had to have an answer here, the Flames uh, got an article here from actual. This is from Flames Flames Nation. Uh, the Flames operate the Saddle Dome right now, and the city owns it. So here's what happens next. Two sides sit down, come up with a plan, determine how extensive the work required. Now, this is about the current building, the Saddle Dome, because apparently there's a report out there that from 2018 that the Saddle Dome needed $48.7 million in repair work over the coming decade. Now, this is from... Two, this is from three years ago. <clears throat> yep. December of 18, December 21, three years ago. Yeah. That it needed almost $50 million in repairs. Uh, and they don't, in, yep. and the estimates don't include roof repairs. Yep. The non roof structures need around $1.4 million in repairs by 2024. The longer, the longer the flames intend to stay in that barn, the higher the figure will grow. Um, so basically, they're trying to figure out in this article. And I haven't had a chance to read it, so I'm I'm skimming right now as as we talk. And from the looks of it, they're trying to figure out since the deal is dead, what can the flames do, um, and what can the city do? So they're trying to determine a plan, extensive work required for the saddle dome's extended lifespan, how much it will cost. Need to discuss who pays how much, uh, which seems to be the thing that ties up every deal. Um, if they punt on this deal for a year or two, new building might not be open until 2026 or 27. Apparently, the idea was that the new arena deal was supposed to have them playing in a new building by 2024-25. So they were still going to be playing in the Saddle Dome. And the issue is that because they operate the Saddle Dome, even though the city owns it, they have a home to play in. Which, as we're going to discuss they, shortly, somebody else home, does not. <laughs> but they have a home. But with the amount of repairs it needs, it's approaching the Joe in terms of. Um, yeah, the Joe had to go, unfortunately, and it did. And in terms and of health, Little Caesars Arena is, my understanding, a gorgeous facility, retail establishments, and everything else. I mean, I think if we only take they a road could, trip out there sometime. If only they could get themselves a winning, uh, a winning organization again which heiserman is trying to do that should bring the people back and and make that i mean that and the nassau county coliseum before the upgrades were uh nassau county coliseum is finally over and done with but that was the worst building in the nhl it's probably the worst building in the big four um here we go so yeah, in that deal is that really that deal or the or the search for a deal in Calgary appears to be cursed and <laughs> yeah 
it does appear to be cursed. It does. It, 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 this has been literally going on for it has to be almost a decade at this point. Um, and, and as we said, that makes this the second longest home saga in the league Mm -hmm. because the coyotes who have moved all over Arizona already. (laughs) And, and and we have talked about this one before, but just this particular one that I found, it just kind of shed some interesting light on things. Uh, because their long journey to nowhere, this one covers more than just the fact that they are being thrown out of the Gila arena, like literally tossed on the sidewalk. Here's your suitcase. Just get, get the out. out. Yeah. Um, and everything we've heard about the current ownership says that they're. The current ownership is. Someone is, abrupt. <clears throat> the current ownership is, is. I'm going to put it nicely, not well thought of by other business entities and government um, enterprises and, and personnel. Anyone who's encountered them. Yeah. yeah. Um, not well liked <laughs> or not good to deal with. And apparently they have they have a, a, a modus operandi that says that they would rather not pay you and then okay come to us and but that is how they got into their current situation yeah because they had taxes that they didn't pay oh but then the ownership said no it was human error yes you're human error because you're human or so you're believed to be and you didn't okay. pay your taxes end of story <laughs> if by error you mean you spent more time collecting interest on it and then negotiated not to have to pay interest to the city, to the city or to the utilities or the arena. Mm-hmm. You, you call that error. Um, an error. Yeah. maybe it is. I mean, it's an interesting definition of error. Mm-hmm. Um, and one I will make note of for the future. Uh, but this, this is, goes way beyond the, uh, the, the Gutierrez, oh, this goes Morello, um, uh, administration. I mean, this literally maybe. goes back to the first owners who decided instead of putting it where all the money is and all the people are. Why would you put it where put, the money is and the people are? Put the team way far away. Now, by by New England standards, yes, 25 miles is a really is a decent commute. It's effectively the distance that. It's uh, that Boston is from downtown Boston. It's not. It's 25 miles. Go to the game. But, but <laughs> you're talking about an area where the population is pretty well concentrated and nowhere near as dense as it is uh, inside 495 here. Okay. So 25 miles there really shouldn't take very long, but. No. As I've said for decades at this point, it takes time to build fandom. It takes a full generation in order for your fans to be willing to do to do stuff that's not necessarily convenient in order to partake. They hadn't been there that long. They've barely been there that long now. 
and their tradition of winning uh, extends to like three game streaks. Not cups, not division titles, not Western Conference uh, wins, no president's trophies. It extends to like three and four game streaks. You need to build the brand before you do stupid stuff. And I don't know what it is. Maybe it's. I don't know what's going on with that team. And it's the franchise as much as it is the collection of quirky folks who have been owner. And I include the NHL as part of that quirk because if they had collectively with the owners, uh, with the, you know, other 29 owners Mm -hmm. and the league's buying power, particularly with the league's determination to keep it in the city or in, in Arizona. So built an arena during their tenure as owners. Yeah. They could have then sold the franchise to someone who literally only had to show up with a paycheck and someone a a napkins worth of notes on a plan to, to improve the team. They did sell it to somebody like that. And no, they didn't do it with an arena. They had an arena deal that someone else owned. But as we saw with Nashville and with Columbus teams that don't own their arenas. Yeah. They suck. They suck for a long time. Why? Because they don't have the revenue stream that teams who do own their arenas have. So, you know, go ahead. No, I'm just, uh, I, if you ever, I just wanted to be sure that if you actually think that there's a possibility, you know, maybe because they can't find a new home by the beginning of next season, you know, so they might have a chance at, you know, using another year in Glendale. Maybe you get, you know, maybe you, you make good with that. Kevin Phelps, the city manager, <clears throat> has stated that uh, he has made it clear that they are tired of wrangling over unpaid bills. The relationship between the team and the city is over when its lease expires in June, 20, June 30th, 2022. Um, the exact quote being, we decided we weren't going to wait until the kids were out of high school to get the divorce. I don't I, think they have I a chance of going back into the building. That realistically, that means that Kevin Phelps has to not be in place for there to be a chance of, the coyote staying, or he needs to get a really, really nice present that no one tracks back to anyone connected to the NHL. Yes. So they're not playing dead. in the Gila Arena. This is dead, like dead, dismembered, buried, buried salted, spread to the wind. <laughs> this is dead, th- dead. They dead. are not going back into this building. Therefore, yes, they need to find some. And unfortunately, like you said, teams that don't have arenas. <clears throat> Suck. The it, location it's is just the way it is. Now, they bring up two locations, and we've talked about these locations on and off for a while. Houston, which is the fifth largest metro area in, in, in the U.S., and one of the largest TV markets, and hint, 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 that's why they want to keep the team in, in Arizona. Um, because it is one of the largest metro uh, metros uh, wait, wait, wait. TV ratings. 
there might be money to be made here. Wait, wait, wait. <clears throat> because in the very next par- in, in the very next paragraph, <clears throat> we could actually have a, a nice little bout between Kevin Phelps and Gary Bettman because Bettman says, <clears throat> and I quote, the Coyotes aren't going anywhere. They're going somewhere else other than Glendale, but they're not leaving the greater Phoenix area. Oh, I, I fully believe that Bettman will get his way on this, at least for three or four years. So which one is going to outmuscle the other one? Bettman. Bettman is going to win this one. Why does Bettman get to win? <laughs> because he has th- he he has most of the 31 other owners behind him and oh, probably okay. Morello on his team, too. And they make more that money is, than Kevin Phelps does as city They manager. make more money than the entire city of Glendale. Oh, okay. Easily. But they're not going into Glendale. Kevin they Phelps will, will stand at the border of the city or Tempe which, or wherever, somewhere. In and, the that's, and that's one of the many plans that are in here. But and this is a New York Batman. Times article that I think is rather above Batman what wants. we normally see in the NYT. Yeah, um, I think it's really comprehensive and I think everyone should give it a read. Houston has been, I mean, so if you go to Houston, which would have made a whole lot of sense because Houston is fifth largest U.S. metro population, 7.1 million people. The owner of the Rockets and what's his name? Fertitta. Um, yep. Can't think of the first name. It's just escaping matter. me. And I know I read in the thing. Fertitta. Doesn't matter. Um, has expressed interest in the past about acquiring an NHL team. To Gary Bettman. Hasn't said anything recently. Didn't get any comments back. They the, Apparently the New York Times have tried to reach out and get some comments. They haven't got comments from anyone. But here's a team and a town that, or an ownership and a city that have expressed interest in having an NHL brand. Having one. Yes. You didn't have, you didn't have to chase them down. They were chasing you down. Uh-huh. Your point. Uh, a certain member of the uh, a certain member of a TV show called Sharks uh, also expressed interest in owning a team years ago, and he was he was judged too controversial. That wasn't another uh, um, Texas, Texas guy, was it? That yeah. was another Texas guy, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we've talked about the benefits of Houston before. Central time zone, so you can get in you can get in on those East Coast times. You can put it on the West Coast times. Put it on Central Time uh, on Prime Time. In-state rivalry. You got Dallas. I mean, literally schedule their first two games of the season, one in each arena against each other. Schedule their last two games of the season against each other, and and that should that should kick it off. So the but, owner back. <sighs> go ahead. No, I'm just uh, I'm amazed at this. The, the level of, of the level of screw ups have started ever since Steve Elman bought the team in 2001. From the original owner, Richard Burke. Mm-hmm. Um, because he actually rejected a deal with the city of, as you said, Scottsdale, where all of the wealthy fans seem to live. Um, wealthy equals money arena deal in the wealthy part of town. Generally speaking. Yep. Yep. Keep going. And 
you rejected that offer, still being right next to Phoenix, and went to the other side of the ta- other side of Phoenix where Glendale is, and only has two hundred fifty thousand people. And they paid most of because they paid most of the two hundred twenty million it would have cost to. And again, we're back to how much does an arena cost? So the city paid most of the two hundred twenty million that it cost to build the. But you're back to the problem of who owns now the arena. But now you're on the who owns the arena. But now you're on the other side of the town, and the wealthy people on the other side of town. Twenty five miles away. Twenty five miles away. Who were willing to, who wanted you to come to there and and had a you know, offered you a an arena deal, the wealthy, the, the the money, the wealthy offered you and you rejected it to go to the other side of Phoenix. I just it uh. yes, <laughs> it it's been the entire time they've been there. But here's the thing: every time a team's relocation, potential relocation comes up. Mm-hmm. What city has been mentioned for the past, I don't know, 15, 18 years? Usually it's either Houston or Kansas City or Quebec because they used to. Yeah, but Quebec, there's... Quebec yeah. has an arena. It's not a huge arena. They have an arena that's built for the NHL. The odd, yeah, right but they didn't. Now. They weren't supporting the the whole reason that they moved the Quebec Nordiques out of there is that they weren't supporting the franchise when it was there, which was sort of the same issue when they moved. Oh, no, I'm sorry. When they moved Winnipeg, because originally Phoenix was in Winnipeg, when they moved the team out of Winnipeg, the Winnipeg Jets weren't support. Fans weren't supporting Winnipeg Jets. So they moved the team out of there. The Nordiques went to be the Colorado Avalanche, but they moved for the same reason. They weren't. They weren't the financially the team. The peop, the the yes. fans weren't supporting the team. But literally, no city, no city has steadily pushed for a team longer and harder than Quebec. They you occasionally want, they, hear rumblings about Hartford. You occasionally hear rumblings about the GTA getting a second team. Um, Houston, every five or six years, you'll hear something. Kansas City gets brought up every once in a while, but it's a third contender. It was third when they were talking about Vegas. It was third when they were talking about Seattle. Yeah. Houston is huge. Houston is a already a travel uh, a travel hub. It, it's a city that, quite frankly, could use an infusion of uh, of tourism because. The oil and gas industry is slowly withering on the vine, and that's one of their biggest uh, revenue streams. So, at, yes, adding an NHL franchise makes sense for Houston, and I think that it's entirely possible team number 33 will land there. Um, but I think as long as Bettman is in office, mm-hmm. there is zero chance that the Coyotes will move. Well, here's... Or anyone, or any other team for that matter. I mean, it's pretty bad when, okay, you've decided you want to move the team within, you know, the the Arizona, state of Arizona. So, okay, now the goal of the ownership group is to finance and build a $2 billion arena. Now, these guys don't like 
paying bills to begin with. $2 billion arena, entertainment district, hotels, restaurants, retail in the city of Tempe in time for the 25-26 season. It's currently 21-22 season, so we're talking four years. Yep. Mm, they don't have a home come the end of June. Correct. Um, it's got to go through the approval process. Kevin Phelps, the city manager of Phoenix, thinks that this is going to take as long Glendale. as six years. No, no, Glendale. Oh, Glendale, excuse me. Glendale, city manager of Glendale, thinks it's going to take as long as six years before the arena. Oh, by the way, the Tempe site is on city-owned land, requires remediation of a large landfill site before it can be developed. In the meantime, no home. And the owner of the Phoenix Suns and WNBA's Phoenix Mercury and the Footprint Arena have already rejected several approaches about taking in the Coyotes on a in, on an interim basis. They've already said, no, uh-uh, sorry, can't do it. You can't I wonder get... if the current <laughs> ownership has anything to do with that. You think? <laughs> I, I mean, and then they talk about, and this is, this is where it gets funny, because they talk about <clears throat> two other choices. Um, Arizona Diamondbacks, by the way, that would be baseball played in warm weather. Uh, warm, uh, warm, warmer months. Uh, building a permanent ice rink at Chase Field. <clears throat> the logistics of placing an ice surface in a baseball stadium that seats 48,000 fans are awkward at best. Asked the Tampa Bay Lightning. The other choice suggested by the NHL, so this has got a, this is a Batman thing, is to build a temporary structure in either East Valley or West Valley. The thing is, if you build a temporary structure, you still need time to actually build it. Wait, what? I don't know. I'm thinking it takes a little time. You don't just wave a wand and it just appears. I'm going to have to get back to you on that one. (laughs) I think we've beaten this one to death. Yeah, Um, I just this is ridiculous. I I mean, ridiculous from a standpoint of Gary Bettman is so dug his heels in that He's starting to wear out his welcome, and he's at, at, if nothing else, he's working. He's undermining his own negotiating power. Yes, and we'll leave it there. Um, thinking, speaking of things that the Bruins should ha- or that teams and people should have left behind, Tuukka Rask is back. Oh, he's been signed yes. to a uh, professional tryout agreement for the. Providence uh, Bruins and is rumored to be heading back into uh, the spoke to be where my friend practicing for a previous couple of weeks. Um, My friend, my friend Jim wants me to give him an official shout here because he's the one who informed me that that Tuka Rask signed a professional tryout on Thursday. And I actually for the first time, usually they're the ones that come to me for information, and I did not have this information. So, Jim, this is your official shout. Congratulations. You found information before I did. Thank you for letting me know. Hooray. <laughs> I told him I'd do it, so there you go, Jim. You're, you're now officially a, a, a source. 
of what I'm not sure, but he's a good guy, so I'll give him the shout. Um, um, but Tuka Rask being back, I, I I thought we I thought we were done with this. I hoped we were done with this. We signed Linus Omar four years five. Uh, 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 what was it four year five million per? Yeah. You've got Jeremy Swayman, the future. You traded away Dan Bladar because you were so sold on Jeremy Swayman. Uh, you've also got Kaiser uh, waiting in the wings. Kyle Kaiser is still coming up. You, you brought in Troy Grosnick as a as a veteran backup because you're sold on Kyle Kaiser. It has the chops. Okay, great. You're going to bring back 34-year-old goaltender just over labrum surgery in the, in the hip. And got Caleb Booth uh, laboring for a spot as well. I just – Yeah. I, it doesn't make sense to me, and you still have to get him. If you get him on an NHL contract, because right now he's only on a tryout, you get him on an NHL contract, where is that money coming from? Uh, it's coming from getting a second-line center. Um, and earlier in the week, I ran a quick poll. Um, would you trade a somewhat inconsistent – uh, David Krejci or a, A2C. Um, majority of the polls said uh, no, 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 run away. If he um, were, and my thought on this real quick, if he were, if he were as inconsistent as a Patrick Line, I'd be more inclined to deal him. His upside is, and we've seen it, his upside is fabulous. His upside really is fabulous, but his downside is... One Rocket Richard. I don't think his downside is as bad as Patrick Laine's is. No. Uh, The the poll was actually 60-40 split. Um, 60% saying no, 40% saying yes. Which I think is something that David Bostradark should worry about because 40% is enough to be a vocal minority and shift some opinion if he can't find some consistency. I think we've also got to establish who the second line center would be. That's that's in, a, in the in the deal. I mean, just saying for a legit second line, who you, who did you have in mind? Who would you who when you put this poll out there, you, did you have a second line center in mind? Mike um, well, I, one of the guys that we talked about earlier in the show was, uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Um, I think that as a two C. No. Yeah. I'm sorry. That slipped out kind of quick. <laughs> I, as a two C with responsible two way players around him, Ryan Nugent Hopkins in Boston would work. No. Um, has he worked in Edmonton up until like. This Where, year or last year. Please point to me. Please point me to three responsible two-way players in Edmonton in the past 25 years. I will give you 25 years. Go ahead. I'll wait. Actually, I'm going to pause the show and resume next week. Um, and you can answer that question then because it will take you that long to find three. Um, I, I, I know I'm not going to find three because I know how exactly. Edmonton <clears throat> excuse me, has drafted. Taylor Hall probably being closest to that top three that 
and I'm still not sure that he's a because a he's not a two C, um, but is he responsible two way forward? I think he's gotten there over the years. I think he I, and was I, there when he was in New Jersey. Uh, yes, when he that's when he started. I think that's uh, within I, a year or so of that. That's when he started being a more responsible two way player. I think that when drafted originally, he was. Go, 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 forward, forward, forward. Where's the defense? What? Who? But that's all they wanted from him. Yes. And that um, therein lies the problem. I would say Sam Reinhart would be a great compliment. Uh, especially, he's a right shot center, just as David Krejci. Uh, and you put him in, you put him next to... There's Taylor that name Hall. again. Look, I've been a Sam Reinhart fan forever. No, I meant David Krejci. His name has come up twice already. Funny how that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, you look at... I mean, I think that the I think that the Bruins have missed the boat on a lot of uh, useful two-way centers. I mean, we talked about the whole list of them this summer. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, you know, there's Kadri, who I think would have been a fantastic option for a number of reasons, both ability to play well look what he's doing in, in look what he's doing look what he's doing in Colorado yep I mean just look at the last two years in Colorado and tell me that Colorado isn't like it, it, what's his name there um Joe Sackett GM yep. isn't smiling ear to ear with that deal I mean he's come in he's been a hell of a replacement he's physical and he hasn't got himself into trouble, which and is I one of the like problems that Thomas Hurdle. I think Thomas Hurdle would be a, a really good uh, had himself a really good game last night too, if I'm not mistaken. I worry about his foot speed a little tiny bit. Okay, wait a minute. You're not allowed to even come close to saying that with <clears throat> the former two C and his foot speed or lack the thereof. There is you can legitimately look at Krejci and say, and say one of the best two or three passers in the last 25 years in the league. I oh, I'm not arguing his distribution two, skills, but I couldn't put him at that level. I couldn't even get him into my, I don't mind. think hurdle has the, I don't think hurdle has the distribution skills that, that, that Krejci had. Krejci no, was flat out. Krejci no. passing is Krejci's passing was uh, to use that, uh, more term. often overused term elite. Legitimately elite. Yes. Not just I need to use a big word elite, but uh, legitimately elite. Yes, his sort of passing like the difference was... between chronological adult and functional adult. <laughs> um, now, I, now, stop making fun of Gary Bettman. I did put up a poll a few minutes <laughs> ago. That that took a minute to say again, huh? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I actually got you to laugh. There you go. go. Do it with a straight face. About the potential, about our topic of a trade before uh, Moore and DeBrusque for Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Uh, it's going to run for a couple of days, so listeners should have plenty of time to uh, to find it. Um, you yes. vote on it, ladies and gents. Um uh, it's uh, it's been running for probably 45 minutes. Uh, yeah, just 45 minutes or so. And 
I would love to see more uh, more feedback on that. Where do we go next? Uh, well, we are running pretty heavy on time. Well, no, just just to tie a nice little bow in it, since we've talked about <clears throat> centers and everything else. Um, Mr. Krejci has apparently been following the Bruins while and and admitted to it. To oh, yes. Uh, he finds it strange that now that he's gone, suddenly the Bruins are okay with moving pasta around. Because as we know, pasta has shifted from the <clears throat> rafters line. Yes. I refuse to use that other term. Although it's in this article. If you wish to read the article, it's on Boston Hockey Now, Mr. Haggerty. And he uses the lovely phrase that they – Keyword. Yeah. Can't do it. The and rafters line. we're not line. talking about Patrice. But he has been moved from it. Therefore, there is no rafters line at the moment because I don't think the current right wing on that line is going to have his number retired. As much as I like Craig Smith, I don't think that he's at that level. On topic, please. <sighs> Sorry. So Krejci and – oh, by the way, and, and they still think he's coming back. So I'm <clears> – Yeah, I, I found this curious that um, he mentioned the coach without mentioning the coach's name. And if we string this together with uh, DeBrusque playing better – Oh, no, he called him Coach Cassidy and – he called him Coach Cassidy in 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 the in in the quote. It says Coach Cassidy rarely let the two of us play together. It had to be so that he split the first line and put pasta to me. It was a maximum of two matches. Years later, I leave Boston and suddenly it's possible. That struck me. The coach I, always told me there was no reason for pasta's removal from the first line and that it would be as short as possible to distribute the forces. I had to take it. But now Pasta is five or how many matches in the line with Hall and Howla? Strange. Yeah, it's a um, – this seems to be – there seems to be something here if you listen and look and observe. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that thing is. But there seems to be something there and maybe it will someday be identified properly. They never played together for an extended amount of time. Clearly, that still bugs, but he is watching. We were in harmony with Pasta. I dare say that whenever we played together, it suited us, and it was useful for the team. Mutual chemistry was there right away. We were scoring goals. Now I just think Coach could have taken Pasta out of the first one for me, and everything could have looked different, but it's the way it is. I don't blame the coach. Okay, but you just did blame the coach. <laughs> I mean, I love Krejci, don't get me wrong, but I, I'm wondering I if things uh, are lost in translation a little bit here. Oh, there's, <laughs> I think there's a good bit lost in translation there. Um, some of it being the issue with the translator and possibly a little bit further downstream. Um, uh, it, it, my thing is, Haggerty ties this all up in a neat little bow at the end and says, it also sure sounds like Krejci is hinting that some things might have to change a bit before he'd consider coming back to the Boston Bruins, even if he didn't say it in actual words with a big assist to Google Translate. Wait a minute. He's awesome a awesome and astute comment uh, by Haggerty. Which, but he's already said multiple times, him, his agent, multiple languages, he's not coming back, and they keep pushing. <laughs> Haggerty, uh, the Bruins... 
Look, I don't necessarily blame Haggerty for chasing the clicks that it gets every time you mention beloved former players. And Krejci is certainly that. Yes. But the key word here is former. Not once in former, or not former in future, or once in future, or uh, soon to be uh, again, um, just former. Because I I really don't see Krejci coming back. Like, I looked at some of the pictures of him this season, and he's, he appears to have aged, like, 10 years uh, in the past six months. I just, I'm I'm baffled that this keeps, it, it, it we are now in January. We are four months into in October. November. And we're, like, two months away from where he would be able to participate in the playoffs to begin with. So if he's not even considering it and getting a travel visa or work visa, whatever, um, and whatever else he needs in order to be able to come back to the States. Um, yeah, that's going to be tough. So at his current franchise, Olomouc yes. HC hockey club in the Czech, in the Czech Republic, he has played 35 games and he is a, just slightly under a point per game player with 17 goals, 17 assists, uh, 18 penalty minutes, and a plus minus of one. What are the chances that he hasn't been a point per game player in the NHL? He's come close, I guess, maybe. No. But 17 goals in 35 games. That's half a goal per game. His goal high in the NHL was 23, which he did a couple of times. So he's six goals off of his I mean he had a 31 goal season in Providence back in 06 leagues yeah exactly and I, I, I don't know it, bringing him back it, he's not here end of story <laughs> um let's see I think I think uh did you want to go with the flurry story or the standout freshman to wrap things up Oh, the flurry thing was just that he was welcome back. We can, if you want to talk about your freshman, we can talk about because there are five standouts. Um, Mark Diver, who had who for a very long time uh, covered the Providence Bruins, um, and is one of the better hockey writers around, um, has a story up on the NHL on NHL.com. He's talking about uh, five college standouts um starting uh, starting with owen power of course of michigan uh selected number one by the buffalo sabers in 2021 um he leads ncaa defenseman with 23 points uh he's three awesome. goals, 20 apples in 18 games um, yeah but he's a sophomore so we're talking about freshmen so that they're, they're comparing these five freshmen to what power is doing as a sophomore absolutely Okay. Um, so the first one, Carson Coolmans, uh, or Corson Coolmans, uh, someone I believe I talked about before this year's draft, high risk, high reward player, uh, mm-hmm. named most outstanding defenseman in the inaugural Quick Trip Holiday Faceoff Tournament in Milwaukee last month. Um, had an assist in Milwaukee, in Wisconsin's 3-2 overtime win against Yale. 6'2", 198 pounds, late second round or late first round pick at number 25 uh, by the Jackets. I think all of them have been drafted. Uh, Aiden Hrushek, 
uh, Boston College did get off to a slow start, 5'11", 188. Um, didn't score his first goal until December 30th. Um, uh-huh. He's 19, um, native of Long Beach, California, uh, and was picked uh, by the Canes 90, uh, at 94 in the 2021 draft. A guy the two of us got to see over the summer at the Bruins development camp. And if you have a chance at all, go watch this kid play. Mason Lorai. Surprised um, the hell out of us, yes. Um, I hate I, I hate throwing huge accolades at a young player, um, particularly before they've even played, you know, a handful of NHL games. But this dude looks legit. Uh, Bruins took him 58 uh, in 2020. Um, obviously because of, uh, COVID, we didn't get a chance to see him until this summer. He yeah, well, skates well, he passes well. Um, he still needs to learn to use his size a little bit better. And at six, four, 195 pounds, I should hope by the time he hits the NHL, he's got at least 15 more pounds on him, but this is a player to watch. Like this is a player who I don't think anyone should make sane predictions he's, that put him below middle pairing. The thing with him is he's a little bit a little bit different from most of the defensemen that you see. Most of the defensemen that you see were playing defense. He didn't become a defenseman until he hit the U six he hit a U sixteen team. Yeah. He was a forward before then. So that might have something to do with his offensive abilities. Oh absolutely. Um, but even um, this year he's only, even this year he's only got two goals. But he's got 19, he's got 17 assists. He's got 19 points in 20 games. So he knows, right. he, he sees the ice. He sees the ice like a forward. And I, I think that this switch is still going to take a little time for him to be able to play at the NHL level. So if he plays all four years in college, I still think he'll end up in the A for at least one season. I don't know if he'll play all four years. He might play two. That's, I don't know. I guess it depends on what his wants are uh, and what his, you know, family needs are. And uh, for those of us here in the East, um, Scott Morrow is over at uh, UMass Amherst. Mm-hmm. 6'2", 195, taken uh, again by the Hurricanes at number 40 uh, in the 2021 draft. Um, he played five seasons at some little place called Shattuck St. Mary's. Um, eight goals, 10 assists in 16 games. Um, so, yes, that's more than a point per game for a defenseman and a half goal per game for a defenseman. Um, I do wonder how his actual defense is, but <laughs> those My. are numbers you really can't argue with. No. Um, and for the first time in a long time, someone bringing some uh, some shine to UVM. Uh, oh, the last uh, guy to shine there was some guy named Thomas. Thomas. <laughs> or uh, maybe, or maybe his buddy um, Marty. Marty Saint Louis. Saint Louis. Um, Dusseldorf, Germany's own uh, Luca Musenberger. Uh, he was a third-round selection of the Edmonton Oilers, so number ninety last season. Wait, the Oilers drafted a defenseman. Okay, but it was outside the first round, so it doesn't matter. Oh, okay. Um, 
he got in he got into two games at the World Junior Championships, scored the only goal for Germany in the 3-1 loss to Finland on Boxing Day, and had an assist in the 2-1 victory over Czechia um, on the 27th. Um, only has the, two assists in 16 games. I was going to say, I get the though. feeling he's more of a defensive defenseman. It, it it does feel that way. I would love to get up a UV, up to a UVM game and see him play. I haven't been to Vermont uh, for a game. Uh, we've been to, well, I've been in the Lowell Arena. Uh, yep. I know the two of us have been to BC and BU. BC, BU. Uh, we've been to, obviously, the the Beanpot tournament. So we've seen, we've also been to the frozen four, yeah. uh, up in men, up in Manch, Manch Vegas, yeah. Manchester. Yeah. So we've seen, a, we've seen a number of college schools, uh, playing. I think we might have to make a, uh, road trip. We keep talking about it. We're going to have to actually do it. The, I, I don't know what the impact of the virus is going to be, but I would like to, I would honestly like to go there. And I would like to go uh, catch an e- uh, a, Mar- a main Mariners game. Um, now there's a possibility. And since both another of e- you want to actually you want to actually go see another ECHL game, okay? Yes, I do. The first, e- the first e- <laughs> the first the first ECHL game for you and I wasn't <laughs> wasn't quite enough to fill the copper. <laughs> no, I don't see why it would be. Um, and honestly, I think if you have friends for our listeners, if you have friends or family who are looking to learn the game, I genuine, I genuinely still believe that college or the, are the best levels to introduce people to a game. Stick to college. Take them to two or three games and you can explain everything at pay at game pace because mm-hmm. the pace is just slower enough than the NHL. Um, that you can follow or that a person new to the game can follow it. Yeah. Uh, and that, 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 that I think covers pretty much everything, uh, that we can fit into this week's show. Very jam packed show this week and a lot of topics for thought and consideration and comment. Absolutely. Uh, send us a tweet if you have a comment on anything. Either one of us. I'm at Puck Sage. I'm at The Opwing. Um, if you have suggestions for the show, you want to comment on the poll, give us a topic for next week uh, to raise. Um, Twitter is fastest, but definitely you can comment over on Podbean, uh, Um And we will absolutely grab those comments and run with them. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, as always, thank you for listening, and we will be back next week um, to talk a little bit more hockey. Take care.